The gay agenda for recruiting teens runs riot through our public schools. Sue Bolin challenges the lies with compassion and understanding here on Probe. This week, we'll be looking at ways to communicate the truth about homosexuality to teens. We'll examine the lies they're told and the sexual pressure they're under. We'll also look at ways to help kids process their gender confusion, as well as addressing helpful ways to encourage teens who already identify themselves as gay or lesbian. And finally, we'll provide perspective on how to treat those who struggle with same-sex attraction in a compassionate and godly way. In many schools and in the rest of the culture today, only one perspective is allowed to be heard. Consider four lies that are very familiar to teens today. First, that homosexuality is natural and healthy. It's neither. The fact that it simply occurs in about 2% of the population doesn't make it natural. When we look at the way males and females were designed to complement each other, both emotionally and sexually, that tells us something about the nature of homosexuality, that something has gone wrong somewhere. This isn't judging the people who experience same-sex attraction. It's like a red light on the dashboard of a car, denoting that something needs attention. Acting physically on same-sex attractions is certainly not healthy either. Those who do are at far greater risk for sexually transmitted diseases, including AIDS, and a shortened lifespan. Lie number two. If you're attracted to someone of the same sex, that means you're gay or lesbian. Not so. It really means that there are unmet, God-given needs for love and attention that were supposed to be met earlier in life. Having crushes on other people of both sexes is also a normal part of adolescent development. The third lie is, since you were born that way, you can't change. There is no scientific evidence that anyone is born gay. It's a myth that's been repeated so often, people believe it. Second, thousands of people who were once gay have experienced significant changes in their attractions and behavior. Change is possible. The fourth lie is, embrace and celebrate your gay identity because gay life is cool. We in ministry to those dealing with unwanted homosexuality have heard many heartbreaking stories of the truth. A dark side of intense and difficult relationships, relational patterns of disillusionment and breakups, and physical and emotional unhealthiness. Tomorrow, we'll look at the pressure on teens when it comes to sex. This has been Probe with your host, Sue Bolin. If you know a teen who is struggling with gender identity, get this script into their hands. It's free at Probe.org. Join us next time as we help you to speak the truth in love here on Probe. This week, we're talking about helping teens understand homosexuality in a way that is consistent with God's design. They live in a sex-saturated culture, and the messages they receive from the media and, unfortunately, in school, clearly communicate an expectation that sex is just part of having a social life. Rarely do they hear about the heart-wrenching consequences of being sexually active. The agenda-pushing sexual freedom is also engaged in trying to normalize homosexuality as well. Teens are pushed to decide early if they're gay, straight, or bisexual, as young as middle school. But kids in their early teens are no more equipped to decide their sexual orientation than they are to choose a college major and career track. A landmark study done by the University of Minnesota determined that at age 12, one-fourth of the students were unsure of their sexual orientation. 
their bodies were just beginning to experience the changes that would turn them from children into adults, and they were being asked if they were gay, straight, or bi. But by age 17, that number of kids unsure of their sexual orientation had dropped to only 5%. And psychiatrist Dr. Jeffrey Satinover says... Without any intervention whatsoever, three out of four boys who think they're gay at age 16 aren't by the time they're 25. We need to tell teens, it's too soon to declare a major in your sexuality. Teens are also pressured to experiment sexually with both sexes as the only way they can know their sexual orientation. It's presented as nonchalantly as our cruise ship table partner suggesting we try escargot one night. Hey, how can you know if you like it unless you try it out? Teenage sexual behavior can have lifelong consequences, but they're not in a position to recognize that. Their brains don't finish developing till age 25, and they tend to make decisions out of the region of the brain that controls emotion. So they're easily swayed to make dangerous and irresponsible choices, like engaging in any kind of sexual behavior. Teens need to be encouraged to face the sexual pressures and stand against them. Tomorrow we'll address the gender confusion some adolescents experience. At a conference I attended, Andy Comiskey shared a painful experience in junior high where one day, out of the blue, the whole school was abuzz with the rumor that Andy was gay. There was even graffiti on the wall about it. He struggled with his sexual identity, but he had never acted out. He walked into a classroom on an errand, and on his way out, two boys called faggot. He was crushed and humiliated. Later on, he made it into a self-fulfilling prophecy. I went up to him later and asked, Andy, if you could rewrite the script, knowing what you do today, what would it look like? He said, oh, how I wish there had been some sensitive adults, especially in the church, to talk freely with me and with other kids about gender insecurity. It would have been so freeing for me to have someone acknowledge that it's a real thing, but it didn't mean I was gay. I wish there were people who could have spoken truth into my life at that point. One kind of truth the kids should hear is that around age 10, attraction for the same sex begins. This attraction is emotional, non-sexual, and involuntary. It doesn't mean teens are gay or lesbian. It means they are transitioning through normal adolescent development. We have to learn to attach to people of our same sex before we can learn to attach to people of the opposite sex. But most teens don't know this. Some kids don't feel secure in their masculinity or femininity for a variety of reasons, usually having to do with not being affirmed by parents and peers. God gives each of us needs for attention, approval, and affection. When those needs are not met, the onset of hormones can sexualize this hole in the heart. Some teens can find themselves longing for the attention, approval, and affection of people of their same gender. When others attack them with false and hurtful labels of homo, fag, or les, they can easily find themselves believing these lies. When teens are not secure in their gender, they don't need to be pointed to gay groups at school. They need to be affirmed and encouraged to develop their innate, God-given masculinity or femininity, to see their gender as good. They need to have other kids reach out to them to make them feel like one of the guys or one of the girls. They need time to finish growing up.
If you know a teen who seems to be experiencing gender insecurity, let me make some suggestions on how to minister to them. First, don't use any labels. They can become like jail cells, making people feel hopelessly trapped in a state or condition. It's much better to help teens see that their attractions to their same gender are like the red lights on the dashboard of a car. They mean there's something going on inside that needs some attention. And that's literally true. God creates all of us with the need for attention, affection, and approval. And those are the things adolescents are craving when they have feelings for people of the same sex. The needs are legitimate. What they need is finding healthy ways to meet them. This is where the church and other Christian youth organizations can make all the difference in the world. Second, communicate to kids who struggle that God did not make them gay. God doesn't make anyone gay. And there is no scientific evidence that there is a biological basis for homosexual feelings or behavior. Even if they feel that they were born gay, this is the result of being told a fairy tale. Were American kids born English speakers? That's all they ever knew, right? No, they weren't born English speakers. They were born language speakers. Which language they speak is a matter of the shaping influences of their upbringing. Kids who experience same-sex attraction were born to be relational creatures, but how those relationships shape their souls is a function of their temperaments, their home life, and how they relate to other kids. Third, give them a safe place to process their feelings without being shamed or condemned. For many teens, this unfortunately rules out their home, school, or church. I'm sure it grieves God's heart that for many people, church is the most unsafe place on the planet for those who struggle with various life-controlling sins and urges. But there is a great free online support group for struggling youth that's moderated by an understanding adult pastor at www.livehope.org. Kids can safely talk to others like themselves and learn how intimacy with Jesus Christ brings healing and change to broken and wounded hearts. Tomorrow I'll make some suggestions for helping the kids who feel, I just don't get this whole gay-lesbian thing. This week we're talking about helping teens understand homosexuality in a way that is consistent with God's heart and intentions for us. Many teens feel, I just don't get this whole gay and lesbian thing. That's perfectly understandable. Only 2 to 3% of the population deals with same-gender attraction. The fact that it's such a huge issue in our culture is completely out of proportion to the actual number of people experiencing it. Kids need to know a few things about those who do struggle with same-sex attractions and feelings. First, they didn't choose it. It's something people discover, not something they decide on. And almost every single person who discovers they have strong feelings and fantasies about the same sex is horrified and terrified by this discovery. Second, having crushes and strong feelings for friends and teachers of the same sex is a normal part of adolescent development. It doesn't mean a teen is gay or lesbian. When other kids assure them that it does... That's like slapping a false and hurtful label on them that they may find almost impossible to take off. If someone walked up to you and put a Hi, my name is name tag on you that had somebody else's name on it, you probably wouldn't have any trouble taking it off and saying, Oh, there's a mistake here. This is not who I am. 
But when kids do the same thing with the name tag of gay or lesbian, they usually slap it on kids who don't have the security and self-confidence to realize that's not who they are. Third, be compassionate. They don't know who's struggling, either with their own same-sex desires and attractions or the painful burden of knowing a family member or loved one who has them. They only have to show contempt once for those who experience same-sex feelings to demonstrate that they're not a safe person. Fourth, be respectful. That means cutting phrases like, that is so gay, out of their vocabulary. It means not throwing around words like homo or fag or queer. Every gay joke or insult is like sticking a dagger in the heart of those who carry a painful secret. The bottom line for helping teens understand homosexuality is to call them to see God's design as good and show grace and compassion to those who don't see it. Be Jesus with skin on in both his holiness and his kindness.